You're listening to the Mentors for Military podcast with your hosts, Robert Gowan, Rudy Lindsay, Mike Pritz, and Kat Kalen. Hey, Foxy. Hey, Robert. How's it going? Good. How are you doing? Yeah, sorry it's taken so long. <laughs> oh, geez. It's only been, what, five months? Yeah, no, it can't be that long. <laughs> <laughs> How you been feeling? Yeah, good. All good. Just sort of busy-ish. Yeah. Sort of getting, getting stuff. Obviously, we got a second series of that show we did over here. So that's going out. That goes out in four weeks. So we're busy with all the promotion for that. Yeah. So, uh, I, yeah. When did you, you wrap that up about, what, two months ago? Something like that? Yeah, we did it. It was, it was at the end of April through to the sort of middle of May. So it was like three weeks. We, we were out in Ecuador. So it's quite full on. It was all condensed. Everything was condensed into three weeks. It was hard. Well, not hard. It was just hard, sort of graft, hard work. Yeah. But was it, uh, what was it like being back in the jungles again? Yeah, it was, it was awesome. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> Did you? Yeah, I sort of, it reminded me how much I miss that stuff. I mean, I was, I, was, I, was in, I was out in Madagascar, which isn't really jungle, but I was out there the year, almost a year ago to the, to the day that we were out in Ecuador. And that was good. That was good again. But yeah, it was really good. Everybody do pretty well overall. You, um, we, we, we did all right. <laughs> the guys, the guys that came out that they chose without giving too much away, they were, they were, they were put through their paces. I can tell you that. But, um, the guys that sort of end up getting further into it and get to the end. They're, they're good guys. Yeah. They yeah. did really, really well. Um, it's, it would be interesting. I mean, they, they, they pick some, yeah, they pick some colorful characters to say the least so I'll <laughs> that's right that. because we <laughs> talked with colin and you're you're not really able to do a lot of the selection the producers do that instead yeah yeah so when it comes i mean we we help we pretty much design the course and we we, we like consult with them about that and how we because obviously they they came to me and came to me and said look can you can you condense um your selection into eight days. I, was, I just started laughing. I was like, no. <laughs> um, but I tell you what, we do. We, we'll try and do something or put together something that um, sort of highlights the, the fundamental building blocks that we look for in individuals to do the job that we did. And yeah. That's sort of how we came to it. We, and it obviously factored or focused on the physical and mental side of it. So yeah, it was. It was. Um, it went. It went well. And this one's going to be it's going to be good the production company that deliver it are, they're good at what they do so do you actually does the sas actually train in um ecuador or how did you pick that location no 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 what's so what happened when when we do selection we go over to when we do the jungle phase we go over to brunei which is obviously the far east um the production company were looking at um locations that with jungle and Ecuador seems to present itself. It's more, a little bit more interesting because <laughs> the, the, ju- the jungles in Brunei are actually very, it's primary jungle and it's quite clean, quite spacey. Um, they were looking for something a little bit more interesting. So they came up with Ecuador, which is good for me. I've never been. So there's another box ticked, but yeah, yeah, they, they sort of came up with it. And I was away for the, um, I was away for the build up and the sort of rec- the recce's that they carried out basically because I was doing the um, that Atlantic Row thing that I did at the beginning of the year, so I was away, and I literally led. I finished that, and then two weeks later, bounced straight out to Ecuador. So it was quite full on beginning of the year, really. Okay, so wait. Now I knew that you did the two across the Atlantic with the guys from Team Essence. Did you just recently yeah. do something else, or no, is no, that, that the was, second one? No, 
that was it. That was yeah, the one. Okay. So, yeah, we did that. That was that was a long day, long time out of the game, really. It was 50 days it took us. And although it was a good thing to do, I'm not sure I'd do it again. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, having done it twice. And you now you set the world record on both of those occasions? No, no, we did it once and got two world records okay. on the one on out of the one trip. Um, a bit of build up we did was uh, we rode the year before we rode the North Sea, which wasn't was nowhere near as the distance. It was just a bit more. It was quite gnarly in places, but yeah, it was it was that that was our warm up. So tell us a little bit about that because some of the listeners may not be familiar with it. You're talking about a rowboat that's got a small little section, I guess, in the the back that you guys were able to sleep in or rotate out of, and there were five of you guys on this team, and you trade mm. out rowing and yeah. So we basically. The rowing boat was designed by a guy called Charlie Pitcher. He's a legend when it came comes to ocean rowing. Uh, it was 8.5 meters long. You had a, basically what you had was a pod at each end, so it was like a cabin at each end. Um, there was five of us. We were split three in the front cabin, two in the back. I was in the back with an ex-marine called um, Aldo, a good friend of mine. And essentially, in the back of that was the comm suite and the nav suite. So we had all the stuff that we needed to look at to help us get a bloody ocean. But yeah, it was small, um, cramped. We'd be rowing two hours on, two hours off for fifty days. So it was it was interesting, tiring, but it was, it was good. It was challenging. You know, we capsized four times. Oh my god! The weather wasn't yeah. The weather wasn't great for the first sort of two to three weeks. Once we sort of made the right turn at Cape Verde and got into the Atlantic, so to speak, then yeah, the weather perked up and it was you know hot weather calm seas well and that's kind of the thing about the atlantic anyway is that there's there's always brutal storms that's out there somewhere yeah yeah we, we i mean to be fair the only ones that we we knew that the first part from portugal was going to be rough and difficult and then we we sort of got to the two-week point where we started to hit the canaries and we were heading on down the coast of western sahara um and the weather just didn't improve. And we're like, what's going on here? This is We were told that the weather was going to improve, and it just didn't. And we were, like, hitting squalls, big seas, 60-foot seas, you know. Oh, my God. And that's, what I said, that's essentially what was making us capsize all the time because we were, we were just too small. Yeah. But we sort of typical military mentality sort of accepted what was happening and then bounced back and sort of carried on. So tell and, us a bit about the team. Were all of you guys former SBS? No, not at all. I was the only one that was – SBS. We had two other guys that I know that were ex Royal Marine Commandos. We had a guy who was an ex broker, but before that he was a he was in the Air Force. And then the other guy, the 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 big guy who's like a huge giant, six foot five. He is he's still a broker. He probably he was probably the more he was worried the most about the the, the challenge, but actually he probably embraced it more so in the end if you like he, his, his learning curve is like so steep right so how did you Sorry. how did y'all come together to do this i mean what made you want to do something like this i didn't want to do it crazy. i was about to say it sounds crazy truth comes out i got conned into it by having a few beers downtown and someone said oh this would be a great idea and obviously inebriated i was like yeah let's do it woke up the next morning like oh god uh, no i don't know if we we all wanted Matt, who's the guy who wanted to do it in the first place. He came up with the concept, and we were like, and then we came on board. I was the last guy to come on board because they're they're blokes, they're guys that have known each other a, a, quite a while, and I've only just come in. Apart from Aldo, I've known twenty years, right? And he was my link into them. We all 
met each other about two and a half years ago and they we just clicked we just got on really well and then the rest is history really they asked if I wanted to come on board obviously I've been in the special boat service so I knew a bit about boating navigation that sort of thing and they saw me as an asset I don't know whether they saw me as an asset at the end but anyway I hope so <laughs> wow so now did you and Aldo know each other in the Royal Marines prior yeah 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 okay. we were both we were both in the in like recce troops and stuff like that in the Marines so we go back way 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 long ago and you grew up just yeah. north of London and joined yeah, at 16 I, I think it is right that's right yeah I, I, I grew up in a place called Luton which is just north of London it's not particularly the best place to grow up and yeah when I had when the chance I could leave home I left home 16 years old my dad was in the Marines so it was a little there was a there was a sort okay. of gentle nudge in the right direction and um, or not the right direction depending on what your view is on the marines right. <laughs> and uh, and yeah yeah it was all all sort of yeah 16 years old yeah so we... sort of like uh, colin colin was the same way except he had one of these things where it was either you know well he got a swift kick in the butt to go to the marines kind of thing because he was a troublemaker yeah yeah, yeah exactly I, I don't i don't think i was i mean i was naughty standard sort of 16 year old behavior but i was in it was it, it wasn't a great place to grow up and if i hadn't moved away i'd have probably got myself into trouble you know i'd have yeah. gone got in with the wrong people which was happening anyway but it was it was the right thing to do and you know it's led on to other things that i've really enjoyed so yeah so you spent 10 years in with that then 10 more additional years with the sbs yeah yeah so i did um yeah did joined up at 16 then around the 20 yeah 26 years old went on selection it seemed like I was I always loved being a soldier but I didn't really enjoy the sort of pomp and ceremony that yeah. went with convent you, do you know what you, oh, you yeah. know what I mean you know, yeah the drill and the inspections and all this and I just saw the SF world as a as a way of sort of continuing on with soldiering and also doing it to like you know a higher level and I had a lot more autonomy. It was you're allowed to be a little bit more roguish, as we know. You know, you you expected to think outside the box. It just seemed like the the right move, and obviously they get paid a bit more cash, which was <laughs> obviously another driving factor. Yeah, sure, <laughs> I'm own, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, was, and then obviously, yeah, ten years reached the rank of sergeant, and then ended up leaving in. I left four years ago 2012 and that was obviously i got medically discharged for ptsd yeah how was that trying to make that transition then into the private sector because of course one you're coming out with 20 years in the military and it's a little bit different than it is here in the states where we kind of look at our military and they can transition a little bit easier than i think they can in the uk as far as their skill sets but you're coming from the special forces community and you have ptsd mm. it was I, I basically I was on my on my um, SF commanders course um, a few years before, and the whole course it's, it's only a three week course. It's very intense, and and it's all about you know becoming an SF commander and planning operations and you know you know executing them. And then halfway through the first week, when the first week is just death by PowerPoint, you know you just constantly PowerPoint presentation after PowerPoint presentation, and. Um, halfway through you get given a 45 minute token powerpoint presentation on ptsd and what you should look for in the lads that you may well be commanding it's you know you're not really interested in it because you're, you're hell-bent on doing the planning and operations side but it's there in and 
I was at the back of the class with one of my mates and we were sort of like listening to it and it was like, you know, look at the guys. If they're ticking these boxes, maybe you should have a word with them. And I was like, ah, I'm probably I'm ticking some of these boxes myself. <laughs> right. I had a bit of a joke with my mate and then sort of pushed it to one side. I didn't really think about it. And then it was about a year later when we were, I was, I was gearing up for my sixth tour of Afghan and, um, I was like, I just, it, I always enjoyed going away. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. But I just felt that this next tour, it felt like a black cloud looming in the distance. And I was, I wasn't, it was a weird, a weird sensation. I wasn't used to it and I wasn't happy with it. So I remembered the, the lecture, we got the presentation, sorry. And I just decided I'd go informally and present myself to the med section and, you know, just, just, just explore it, thinking that they would have a massive toolbox of, of treatments, therapies, whatever you want to call it, right. I could call upon. And it didn't quite work out like that. I was quite, I was one of the first guys, because it's, it's diff, it was and still is, I suppose, to a certain extent, it's difficult to want to talk about it, yeah. especially amongst the latter, especially amongst the guys, because it's an, it's an alpha male environment, you know, it's, it, it's not understood, it's seen as weak, or it was, you know, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's getting a lot better. But I, I was just not, I didn't, I wasn't comfortable with it, but I knew I needed to address it because it, I, I was like a senior team leader in a squadron taking guys out on what was cool stuff. You know, we got to do some really cool stuff and we'd be debriefing at the end of them. And I was having to dig deep to find the, to find, you know, to motivate myself, let alone these guys. And I was like, this isn't, this isn't fair on me and it's not fair on them, you know, so I need to sort of square this away, get it squared away. And in doing so, thinking I was going to be able to square it away, it wasn't. It, I was early on in our units, sort of exposure to to mental health, I suppose. And it was. I don't. I. I. I didn't know how to deal with it. I didn't deal with it very well. And I think I was too early for them to have. They're further down the line now, and they're very good at. I think they're getting getting there when it comes to sort of managing people's careers and, and managing them as individuals. But I got asked to do a certain form of therapy and it just didn't I wasn't clicking it the individual I was working to I didn't click with it's not not that person's fault it was just you know it wasn't a relationship that was going to work and then ultimately yeah yeah I was was still in so so then I it was recommended that I leave I was told if I left then that would probably be what would sort me out you know I'm obviously I had burnt chronic burnout was one of the sort of sentences that was used in the diagnosis but and then yeah that was it and it it was a quick very 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 quick sort of move it was you know I'd say three to four months and I was outside I'd left and then I woke up the day after I'd left thinking oh I'm going to be fixed and funny old thing I felt the same I was like hang on a minute I feel the same and also I'm now not part of something that I thought was amazing the kudos is gone I'm not you know what did they offer you after you got out? And yeah, what kind of services? Therapy. Yeah. yeah. Well, to be, I mean, there's there's lots of guys that go through all this this sort of journey, and I think some flip slip through the net, others are missed. It's you know, they weren't picking people up, and I was one of the guys that they didn't pick up. I I, I think that they thought that I was okay. I I was at the time living down in Devon, which is a backwater place, way off in you know in the southwest of England, and I just disappeared down there and pretty much shut myself off. Didn't speak to any mates for a long time. I sort of engrossed myself in what essentially wasn't wasn't right for me. I was working in a restaurant and you know, which is which is awesome of the people that allow me to do that, but 
it just wasn't a good fit. I didn't get an awful lot of assistance. You know, I, I, I was sort of cut off. I felt I, I had suicidal thoughts. Uh, I didn't see my place in, I, I always saw myself as a soldier and I really enjoyed it. And I, I, I suppose I was good at it at some point, you know, but I just felt that I wasn't, I wasn't fitting in. I'd, I'd lost my place on this planet almost, you know, I'm right. supposed to be a and, um, where a lot of guys uh, end up going down the, the road of alcohol or they get yeah. medicated based on the therapist who ends up giving him some kind of drug. And then, of course, that leads to another medication and, you know, so on and so yeah. forth. Well, I mean, I got I got given I would subscribe medication and I remember I thought, well, obviously, that's the right thing to do. And I took the medication and absolutely it just wiped me out. It made me feel I, I, I remember. Like a zombie. Yeah, yeah. It felt, I, I remember once I went to, I took, I can't remember what they are. I can't remember what they were. But I took the first dose that I was supposed to take literally as I was going to my, we went, to, I went to my ex-wife's um, family's place over in the west coast of Ireland. Uh, we landed and I was supposed to be engaging in conversation with people I don't see very often. I couldn't speak for two days. I was like, I said, I said, I had to say to her, I was like, I can't, I literally feel dr like drunk hung over i don't know i couldn't keep my eyes open i was like ah, i don't you can't need... concentrate everything's in a no, no. it's just a yeah it's just a cloudy it's like a painkiller isn't it it's not actually fixing anything it's right. just hiding what is there so i i pretty i i didn't continue that i i you i i was on them for a little bit and then when when things weren't really making me feel better i sort of came off them i sort of hashed around with looking for help but wasn't really interested in it because it was you know, at the same time, when I anyone that approached me and asked me why I left the the forces, I told them I had bad hearing. You know, right? I, just, I pretended that it was my ears because my I'd got tinnitus and this sort of thing. Yeah, don't we all? And then, yeah, yeah. and then <laughs> big time, yeah. Yeah. And then obviously, um, I I don't know, something happened, and I just decided to, you know, not pretend that it didn't happen and start right. talking to people. I got given. I basically, yeah, I basically got given a corporate job as a projects manager by a, a, by a guy who I'm very good friends with still, and he basically threw me, he, you know, threw me a lifeline, and he said, look, this job is not for you, You're, it's not a fit for you, but just use it for what it is, and and take the time to find out who you are and whether you, you know, where you want to go. Uh, he used to speak to me a lot, and he said, how are you getting on? And I was like, well, I think I'm okay, but I'm, you know, I'm not getting any better as far as I'm concerned at the moment my life slowed right down it used to be a million miles an hour and now it slowed right down I've got a lot of time to reflect on things and I was reflecting on things negatively right so he then through hit the business uh through their sort of um health insurance sort of whatever you call it in place got me and said look we're going to get to you're going to get to see lots of different people and as soon as you meet someone that works let's let's just let's explore that and see what happens and fortunately i found someone who was quite holistic actually a bit, little bit hippie-ish in their outlook which i was a bit <laughs> like hang on a minute it's not gonna work but actually it did it did work and you yeah. know instead of sitting in a instead of sitting in a in a room talking about stuff we used to go and walk off in the woods down by the river you know be out open the open which was you know what i needed it was it was my my therapy was that you know being out in the it would be raining i'd be like oh, thank god i love this and it and it did it sort of set me straight it made me realize that stuff that happens in the past is in the past you're never going to change it accept it acknowledge it don't forget about it but you know acknowledge what has happened and and use everything as a positive and don't look at you know negativity just doesn't it doesn't help you out um so 
that's sort of the, the first part of that journey, really. That's where it went, and that's how it panned out. So is that where Rock to Recovery came about, as far as partnering with somebody on that? or? Yeah, during so during that time, me and a guy, Jamie Sanderson, who's the other co-founder, and, and actually the, the more the driving, the operational side of it, he left the Royal Marine Commandos after about the same time that I left, you know, the military. We knew each other in the past, on and off. We'd bump into each other. We were friends. And we, we again, bumped into each other after we'd left, had a bit of a chat, realised that we'd both left for the same reason. And we basically, typical, you know, military guys, sat down and just whinged and whined about the system right. and how it was failing. Right. And then we're like, well, instead of whinging and whining, why don't we try and set something up? We didn't know what it was going to be. It was this we had no idea what we were doing, but we we're like, why don't we try and offer some sort of almost just like if people are wanting to talk to someone, come and talk to us. And that's actually when we said, do you know what? Let's let's open up about this. And we, we we went out and we we're like, look, we're two sergeants, you know, senior NCOs in 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 a in a in a very you know a good organization from a good organization. And if we can open up and talk about it, then there's no reason you can't either. So. That seemed to set a ball, a ball, a, a chain reaction of events, and yeah, we—that's where it's gone. And we've now—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's expanding. We've got therapists and coaches that are now going out doing the business. We don't—I don't get involved. I—I pro, I try to promote it more because right. I started to talk. I started to talk to guys, but I'm not a therapist. I'm not a coach qualified. And actually, it wasn't. I don't believe it was doing me massive favors going around talking to people all the time about it. What I did do is I used to go back to I used to go back to the SBS and on the commander's course, which is the one that I was speaking about when I found out, you know, a little bit about that subject. I give a presentation on that and or I did give a presentation on that and sort of explain to them about what it is they should be looking for and use me as an example. But obviously also let them know that everyone's individual and it's not going to be the same for everyone. But and I, I sort of talk about the psychological compression timeline, you know. Yeah, you go off and do war fighting, but what else is going on in the background? You've got, you know, bills to pay, marriages, whether they're good or bad, kids, car breaks down, you know, all that. And then you look at the thickest or the thickest chunk of where that's happening and you probably find out that someone's actually probably struggling a little bit, you know, maybe maybe not not dealing with things because there's just so much going on. His, his pint glass is overflowing. Right. Do you think that you going in there and doing that presentation uh, – it kind of resonated and made it more real for guys instead of. I would think, yeah, like, yeah definitely. If, I mean, if I were yeah. in the audience and you came back, somebody who I would think that wouldn't talk about it and you did, it would seem like it would. Yeah, a lot. Of, I got a good. I got good feedback from it, and I, you know, people were you know, guys that I knew that I worked with that are still in. Were like, Christ, I can see it now. I didn't. I never realized you. And you, and no one would, would they? Because it was. It's still, you know. It's not new, but it's it's just not spoken about. So, yeah, the feedback was good, and it, I think you know a lot of people started to come out and talk about it. And now I I know, and I've got friends that have had it trouble problems, um, bad thoughts. They've talked about it. They've been downgraded. They've been taken out operationally for a little bit, and now they've actually gone back. So, whereas I was I had to leave, these guys have addressed it. Um, the, the the help and management there's become it's better and they're now actually going back into operational roles and not losing their jobs jobs that they love so um, I don't think I'm 
you know, I didn't change that at all, not to say not not in the slightest, but I like to think that maybe me being able to talk about it has helped uh, the, the, the unit's organisation sort of understand it a little better and understand how they need to be sort of engaging with the guys. Yeah, we love the organization. As a matter of fact, we had Robin on, Robin Hollington, yeah, as, yeah. as well as Sabrina Waterhouse and, and those from Team Fortitude that also do a lot of charity or a lot of work and stuff in the terms of normal citizens who have been watching Sasu Dares wins and start riding yeah. bikes and running and everything else to raise awareness yeah. and charity. It's great. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. It is. I mean, you know, the, the main reason I did, well, there's a, there's a few reasons I did the show, but the main one was to, you know, get it out there about PTSD and show people that, you know, yeah, I was, because people don't know enough about the SF or they think we're all a bunch of lunatics that run yeah, around and don't dragging. have any feelings. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't, I, I don't, I don't, maybe some people like that. I don't particularly like that, that, that stereotype. And I wanted to explain to people that that wasn't the case, that we are hot, human and also let people know that it's all right to talk about it. So that, and it was a great platform. And actually I remember the day before and the, the you know, the, day it went out that episode where i did speak about it i was i was, I was anxious to say the least because i was like oh i don't know how this is going to sort of you know how it's going to be accepted or or received you know because sure some people not maybe don't want to know that our sf is susceptible but anyway it went out and it was met with kind kind ears i suppose yeah <laughs> no know? that's really good because i i think over here it's been probably spoken a lot more about than what it is mm. over in the UK and so much to the point where I think in a lot of cases when they're doing the exit interviews with trying to determine a percentage of disability that you're going to get and everything else they ask the question and many people it becomes one of these things where it's really kind of hard to diagnose so unfortunately mm. it's being I think used on occasion to be not used in the right way in other words people yeah. are choosing to say that they have PTSD and they may not Mm, yeah, um, I'm glad to hear that you guys at least have started it off and, and hopefully you guys through your awareness can start really helping a lot of people and yeah. hope that it doesn't turn into that as well. Yeah, that's, I mean, that is, yeah, there's that issue. We, I've heard stories. It's been in the news actually recently about people saying that they've contracted PTSD as an excuse and a way out. And yes, I don't believe that's guys that actually have got it. Don't use it as an excuse. They don't want to talk about it. Right. And, and, and actually they're embarrassed and it's, I don't know, PTSD is like, it's, it's ba all it is, it's combat fatigue and, and general, you know, and life having an impact on the fact that you've also seen combat. And when you leave, there's a, you're not in part of the brotherhood. And, and that's one of the biggest things. And I'm, I'm starting to talk to people that are now ex pro athletes and they suffer the same sort of thing, you know, different reasons for why they've got to where they've got to. But essentially, it's the same thing. They're not in the arena anymore, and they're not—they're missing it. They're missing, you know, the camaraderie, the fact that you can rely on people. You go out into the big wide world, and it's—it's—it's it's, um, it's quite intimidating and it's—it's it's daunting because you don't know who you can and can't trust. And ultimately, when you're on the battlefield, you do know who you can trust because it's a bloke that's stood next to you, behind you, or in front of you. Right. So it's it, there's a lot. There's a lot of factors that contribute to, to what is military PTSD. But um, it's about, it, all it is, is just about accepting what's what's happened, acknowledging it, and then parking the emotion and like and realizing you need to refocus and, and keep moving forward. 
because I mean I didn't I you know when I was suffering I was I spent most of my time being sad and looking back and I can't rewind times so there's no point bloody looking back but yeah I, I just needed to learn that lesson <laughs> so what point then did you start breakpoint because I I think you went off into the consulting arena yeah. at some point very earlier right during this time frame right yeah yeah so what happened then it's all it's all bloody circumstance it's weird it's I was I left the corporate job that I taught, spoke about earlier. I went back in, I, I went into the security industry because I, was, I wasn't happy in the corporate job. It wasn't for me. It wasn't working. I was sat in behind a desk, just, you know, it, was, it just wasn't the right fit for me. So I was like, I've got to get out of here. I left it, went into the security industry, which I touched on briefly. And I wasn't too keen on that either because it's not slating it at all, but it was, it just wasn't, again, it's it's quite mind-numbing it can be very boring it's not as glamorous as everyone expects it to be you know you're not jumping in front of people and whatever you're opening <laughs> doors and carrying bags right but um I, I sort of um by sheer fluke I got offered a job to look after a production company while they were out filming in Madagascar and on that job I was basically looking after them when they're in the jungle and also I was the dive buddy for the um, underwater cameraman so it was, a, it was a diverse job. It was really exciting. And I was working with people that aren't dissimilar to the SF community. They, they like to have a lot of things going on. They like to keep traveling. They like to work hard, perfectionists. And when they've got a bit of downtime, they like to have a good time. <laughs> so I was like, oh, Christ, this is a great environment. I really like this. So I was like, right, I'm going to try and focus on working with production companies behind the camera. As that happened... I then also met Ollie for the first time in 16 years. We knew each other a long time ago. And we were chatting about, oh, wouldn't it be good if we could set up a business that was that delivered corporate team building, but using our background, you know, the SF ethos, and, yeah. you know, oh, our sure. mindset. But we didn't really know how to do it. And we, it was just a pipe dream. And then what happened? I got a phone call. Someone had said there was a TV show that was in the pipeline. They got this idea, but they need SF guys. And this bloke said, why don't you speak to Foxy? We've, we knew him on X, Y, and Z that we've just done. And that's how it came about. Had that phone call, thought about it for a couple of days, phoned up Ollie, and I was like, mate, you're never going to believe this, but let's get on this thing because it's free marketing and we'll be able to launch <laughs> yeah, that. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> totally. That's how it worked out. See, then, I thought yeah. it was the other way around. I thought actually Breakpoint was already out, and then you got offered the SAS, uh, Who Dares Wins. It, it, it wasn't. It was just an idea, but we, wow. we, were, flou we were floundering around. like, And then this, I could, you couldn't have written it. I was like, yeah. Mate, you're not going to believe this. I've just had this phone call, and it's it's essentially what we want to do. I was like, I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, someone's been watching me. Yeah, no way. <laughs> I know. I was just uh, he was at like, ah, no way, and then now it's just yeah, it's it's sort of it's morphing into lots of different things. But yeah, we've got. I mean, we've we've actually got on the first of October we're doing one of the courses with Team Fortitude coming down. So. Yeah, I heard about that. Actually, there's a couple members yeah. that have uh, been talking to me about they're, they're looking forward to it. It's a one-day thing that they're doing, right? Yeah, it's a one-day thing. It'll be fun for us. They're all on Twitter, like, absolutely. They're like, oh, I don't know what's going on. I don't know this be fine. be good. Now that, Team Fortitude, they're all civilians, aren't they? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. As far as far so as aware, yeah. So they don't have even the slightest clue other than watching well, it on. Other than TV, watching the TV. To be honest, to be honest, to be honest, they should they shouldn't watch the TV program because that's brutal. We don't go that far, but um, oh. or do we? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
Uh, I love it. So, so on the breakpoint side of it, do you do a lot of team work outdoors, or is it more you know in classroom type of uh, stuff? And it, it it can be geared to however you want it to be. So, say for yeah. instance, the corporates come to us and they're like, "This is what we want." They tell us about what their issues are in their workplace. You know where they where they've got problems, and we can either deliver talks or and it's and again we. All, we talk about our background and what we come from and what our mindset is now. Um, but the actual courses are predominantly, they're outside. If you do a two day one, you'll bivvy up, you know, you'll sort of camp out for want of a better word. Um, and then we sort of give them, we take them on, we take them for sort of training sessions where we're running them around, giving them exercises, but it's out in the open. It's, we've got 22, there's 22,000 acres of land. Oh my gosh. So just South of London, uh it's a it's a private park it's it's really nice it's great settings it's it's used by the um reservists every now and again so it it's lend, lends itself to military operation training um and then we essentially give them some instruction in the field so you know uh, lessons in the field on how to you know breaking down rations cooking rations we give them a little insight to agent rendezvous uh we give them some trauma training uh we they have the whole kit on and everything or you... yeah yeah we, we we give them we do the whole kit issue thing at the beginning so we've got like yeah. a we have someone that's like the this the quartermaster storeman that issues the kit sizes and we <laughs> teach them how to pack their bergens and the rucksacks and all this sort of stuff and uh, yeah yeah it. we sort of give it the whole it's all condensed <laughs> and then and then we literally send them off on a um on a little mission and it, it lasts for you know the from lunchtime onwards and they're sort of like they're sort of evading capture moving trying we're trying to teach them to move tactically and you know they're floundering around in the bushes trying to find bits of information meeting <laughs> agents and delivering first aid to people that might be injured if they're injured without giving too much away yeah yeah, yeah. no i love it i and think it might give them a little bit of interrogation at the end as well is the stuff that team fortitude is going to participate in is that different than what you're doing with the corporate or is that one and the same no nah. It'll be the same thing. Same thing. Okay. Same thing. Yeah. But we we look to you know as soon as we get them there and we start taking them out on maybe a a, a run brief like a, a really brief run just around the area. You know we gauge what level the people are at and we sort of either tone it down or ramp it up because we don't we we're not there to make people have a rubbish time. Right. We, you know they're they're, to, they're there to have fun and gain something from it. But if people want to get pushed, we'll push them. And then the people that are there to just experience it, will you know sort of bring them along nurture them well certainly for like the corporate you would think that it would be team building yeah i mean with the corporates it's about you know it's about making sure that they understand that everyone in the team that they've got has got has got worth you know and and you, you need to find what those skills are and then and then that in itself gives those people confidence you know in the military we've all got different jobs normally within a team you know whether mm -hmm. it's a medic comms guy a demolitionist and you know you're good at that job and it you know when you're called upon to do it you feel good you know you're an expert so we, do, we try to get them to understand what they what they are within themselves you know what qualities they bring but then we also sort of talk to them about, and it's, I, we always think it's simple, but the, you know, the military way of like plan, brief, execute, communicate during the whole thing and then debrief, you know, I, I believe a lot of people out there don't do that and they don't, you know, if something goes wrong, they'd rather forget about it as opposed to sort of 
actually debrief it and do a lessons learned and the same goes for if things go right if things go right everyone high fives and just walks off you're like oh, well, hang on a minute how did it go right let's <laughs> let's sort of explore that as well so yeah and it's it's everything you do second nature in what i believe in you know especially sf and, and what have you and yes you know i think it's a no-brainer i think we are giving them something i hope anyway we get got we get good feedback we get a lot of good feedback yeah so is there going to be a sass who dares wins three Ooh, I don't know. That's up to the network. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely. But, yeah. What would you pick uh, if you had to go someplace? I've been thinking about this. I'm like... The Arctic? The jungle. The Arctic does, yeah, that works. It can be a little bit boring to look at unless we go to a mountain and say, I mean, I'm trying to get us to go to the Sierra Nevadas in California myself, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, I like that place. But... Um, yeah, I think I think that would probably work better. It's quite demanding, isn't it? You know. Yeah. So that would be. I mean, the deserts. Are, you got the Mojave. Or, that's yeah. That's there. You oh go. yeah, no, no, we've got that. Yeah, yeah. Everything that I everywhere I want to go is in the states. So right. <laughs> I just to sell that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll you get see. A plug just now. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm really plugging it now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in the. I'm, I, every time I go into the network's headquarters, I'm like, uh, series three. America. <laughs> anyway, always had good times over there. I miss the place. So are you going to be doing any of the boxing stuff that I keep hearing that's coming out? Nah, Colin's got that thing. I'm not around actually for that one. Yeah. I've got some other stuff going on. So I'm actually, um, I'm going over in December to South Africa with uh, a, a friend of mine who set up a company, uh, a charity, sorry, called Veterans for Wildlife. He's an ex Royal Marines commando who's actually originally. I've from actually South heard Africa. about that. Yeah, I've heard about it. Yeah, yeah. So we're going over, and what we do is, it's it's, it's good for military guys. Actually, ex military guys that are feeling maybe a bit lost, and what they do is they they fly them over. It's not paid, but expenses are and accommodation, food. Fly them over. I'm going over to Kruger the national park there and you live on a rhino sanctuary so you're working with the baby rhinos that have been orphaned and then you're also training up the rangers and you're teaching them field craft skills marksmanship you know the principles of marksmanship weapon handling and and just trying to give something back and then you're mentoring them and maybe you you know sometimes going out on patrol with them and showing them you know some of your tracking bit of stalking you know yeah so yeah and it's a it's a good thing i think it's, it gives people um gives them a purpose you know it's calling upon their old skills that they don't get to use so often and they've, they've got a purpose again so i'm looking forward to i'm going over with aldo actually so it's going to be a, going to be a couple how long are you going to be over sort. there down there um i think it's three three weeks two weeks two or three weeks we're over there for so it's not a long time but it's you know it's it's long enough yeah, we recently had a nonprofit here called Wishes uh, for Warriors, and it's kind of the same thing where they do hunting, fishing, different types of things to try to get them to assimilate back into the private sector and come, yeah. especially come from a combat environment. So I, I can definitely see that that can be beneficial. Yeah, yeah, I mean, exactly. Yeah, and it's getting them. You know, we all we like being in the bush. You know, and that's that's the whole point. We like for, we like rolling around with weapons and you know doing the man thing or the you know what if you're into that that's what you want to do and yeah it's it's, an, it's a it's a purposeful way of doing it and you're interacting with other people as well you know yeah sort of passing on stuff giving them something as well there's an organization here that i know that does that a lot of vets over there so i wonder are you going to be over there working with americans as well or is it just um um I, I don't know i think 
at the moment it's a, it's a really it's a new new charity it's only just really started up so they're, they're in their in infancy and obviously the pool is coming from guys from the uk but the, I, know, I know for a fact if if anyone you know anyone that's worked in the military and knows what they're doing then yeah i mean the more the merrier you know See, the one in the states i think it's um more uh they they help the the people there but they also like stop poaching is a huge huge problem over there too so they're out there too yeah them. yeah like you said about the tracking yeah. and everything yeah yeah they, they, it's exactly the same yeah yeah i mean i mean it's, it's it's a big problem out there they're losing a lot you know these animals are disappearing like you wouldn't believe and they're actually some some of the depending on where they are they're getting into like some of these guys who, and they're not massively well trained you know they they hopefully will be but they're getting into like a hundred contacts a month yeah <laughs> which is quite it's mad it's, it's yeah it's, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a bit of a problem but um yeah we'll see I'm, I'm that's why i'm going over there. i'm going over there to explore it and see what see what the score is see what's going on so what other I'm things do you have in store coming up um other than your big tour that you're getting around to go uh for sasu deers wins too and do the whole red carpet yeah stuff. that, that pro- <laughs> <laughs> yeah um we've got obviously break 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 point uh yeah it's good um break point obviously we're, we're morphing as well we're changing a little bit we're still doing the corporates but we're also got um a fitness portal coming out soon which is about again mindfulness uh fitness well-being you know again the sf spin um and then there's some um more tv opportunities that come out that are really sort of development stage but they're looking promising and yeah it looks yeah gonna be you know an opportunity to travel around the world doing some stuff and also maybe coming over to the states as well so we'll see how they go if you come over here you're definitely gonna have to let us know we'll have to catch up with you yeah definitely definitely yeah i, I want to come over there it's been I've, when was the last time i was there? i was in new york at christmas last just gone so. oh that's a good time of the year to go there yeah, yeah it was awesome it's good yeah <laughs> just a quick visit do a bit of shopping a few drinks and then came home but yeah oh it's too easy yeah. I'm going to go to New York and go shopping. What, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Foxy, I'm so glad you had a chance to finally get on the show when we were a- actually able to put this whole uh, thing together. No, no, it's awesome. I'm so, like, again, sorry it's taken so long, but I've really enjoyed it. It's brilliant. Uh, we'll stay in touch, obviously, as well. No worries. Yeah, most definitely. Take it easy. Thanks, Kat. Thank you for listening to our podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and at Facebook by searching at Mentors, the number four M-I-L, and please subscribe to our podcast. It's free, and it ensures you're the first to hear our latest podcast show. We have several options depending upon your device, and we're at iTunes, SoundCloud, at Stitcher, and at TuneIn Radio. It doesn't matter whether you are searching for your passion or purpose, finding your way through a military or civilian career, working on your fitness, or just about to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. Get after it.